in the uh, second chilek of Shil Tzuchuvas Mimamakim, um, Tshuva Beis, uh, Ravashi has a uh, very interesting tshuva that's uh, intriguing both from the perspective of halacha, um, and as often happens in his tshuva, uh, tshuvas, he, it's also interesting um, the um, human element of it as well. So uh, the question um, arose in the following way. He, he uh, first of all, notes, gives an introduction about uh, the time that the uh, Germans first invaded Lithuania. Uh, he identifies the date as uh, the 28th day of Sivan, Tavshin Aleph, which corresponds to uh, June 23rd, um, at 1941. And uh, he says that one of the first families that was murdered uh, by the by the Germans was a particular family where the husband and wife were killed, and they had um, one child. He says, Benam uh, Yechidam, um, who was 16 years old, who was saved by the maid in the house, a non-Jewish maid. Um, and then the maid, um, he talks about how the 16-year-old was traumatized. He actually saw uh, his parents being murdered. The maid saved the 16-year-old uh, for some time, was able to uh, watch over him. And then she felt that it was no longer possible uh, to... Um, watch him and to protect him and to protect herself as well. And then she gave him over um, to the church and to a particular priest. Um, and then, in that context, the boy, without going into great detail of what exactly he did, but he blended in with everyone else. He was uh, able to live safely. Um, but at the same time, Ravashri says, and this is information which he was given afterwards, which the boy himself divulged, um, he felt a tremendous sense of agmas nefesh. He was in tremendous distress because of the fact that he was now in this uh, setting in which uh, he was uh, presenting himself as a Christian. Um, and then finally, something incredible happened, which was that at some point in time, he actually left the church and returned back to the Kovno ghetto in order to live with other Jews. He just couldn't deal with this anymore. He felt a tremendous sense of um, guilt. Um, he wanted to be back together with uh, with the other Jews that he, uh, he knew, and, and therefore he came back to the Kovno ghetto. Um, and now the question arose as to whether there was some issue with him. He was a Kohen. So could he do him? Could he do Nesias Kapayim? Uh, would he be able to join a minion? Could he get an Aliyah? Um, you know, and he would get Aliyah's Kohen. Um, was this possible or not? So, Ravashi begins the tshuva with a Gemara Menachos. It's a Mishnah which appears in Tav Kuftesam and Aleph, where the, it, it references um, something called Beis Chonyo. Beis Chonyo was a uh, place uh, in which there was a voda that was set up um, by uh, an individual by the name of Chonyo, um, and he set it up, uh, it was in Egypt, and there's some discussion for our purposes. Let's assume that it was actually service of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, even that's, some, that's somewhat of a debate. Um, but nonetheless, it was prohibited because it was outside of the Beis Hamikdash, and you're not allowed to set up a separate bomber once the Beis Hamikdash is uh, is functioning. And it says that the Kohanim that served in Beis Chonyo um, were not allowed to serve in the Beis Hamikdash in Shalayim. Uh, this was uh, a rabbinic prohibition that was set up. And the Lomer, the Mishnah says, and certainly 
um, if they had worshipped the Hodazara, they would not be able to serve in the Beis Hamikdash. The uh, Mishnah supports this by quoting Psukim from the time of Yoshiyahu uh, in regard to Kohanim who um, who did avoda on the Bamos. Um, it says in the Pasuk, um, says explicitly the Kohanim Abamos, the Kohanim that served in the Bamos, would not be able to um, serve on the Mizbeach in Yerushalayim. Um, Kiyim Achlu Matzos um, but they would only eat matzos amongst uh, their brothers, amongst the other kohanim. Uh, they would uh, be able to eat for the mincha offering from the mincha karban, karban mincha. Uh, they they that was it was eaten as matzos. So in any case, they um, were able to do so, but they weren't able to um, they weren't able to serve on the mizbeach. They weren't able to do the other kinds of avodah. And the Mishnah concludes, Hari elu kibalim mumin cholkin va'ochlin. Um, these Kohanim that served in the Bamos, they were like Bali Mumin, a coin that has a physical blemish, um, that uh, on the one hand, they would be able to take a from the carbon and eat from the carbon, uh, but on the other hand, they would not be able to bring a carbon. They couldn't actually do the Avoda. This is what the uh, Mishnah says. So there's a fascinating discussion in the Rishonim uh, that... We'll try to summarize momentarily, but first to give a little bit of a flavor of this. Uh, Tosfos there, Rashi quotes this, uh, Tosfos writes there, quoting from something called the Sefer Hazohir, that a Kohen Shehim Ridato, a Kohen who uh, basically converted to another religion, and that Kohen is not allowed to do Nesias Kapayim, Lo Yises Kapov, and he also cannot get the first loyalty uh, Rishon, he can't get the first Aliyah, uh, because the Sefer HaZoyer, as quoted by Tosis, says says in the Pasuk Vigidashto, the coin has an added level of Kedusha, and he was Mechalil his Kedusha, he desecrated his Kedusha. And uh, therefore the the Sefer HaZoyer um, says, following our, you know, uh, the example of the Mishnah, that just like the Kohanim who served in Beis Chonyo, are not allowed to do a vote in the Migdash and Rishalayim. And Sefer Azar considers the Nesias Kapayim like, to be like a kind of avoda, and uh, therefore the Kohen should not be able to serve. And uh, again, Tosis also notes that the, he also shouldn't get the first Aliyah. On the other hand, Tosis quotes a tshuva of Rashi. That Rashi says otherwise. Rashi says that he's kosher, that he's able to serve um, in the uh, and uh, and um, because if he does tshuva. Uh, and Rashi says the reason is because we didn't find a Kohen Balmum who's going to be puzzle to Dochen unless the Mum, unless the defect was on his hands, in which case, you know, it would be noticeable to everyone. But otherwise, a Kohen who's a Balmum is kosher. So in the Mishnah, it says that he's treated like a Kohen who's a Balmum. And uh, if you follow the logic of that, then here you have a Kohen who may be considered a Balmum, but on the other hand, a Kohen Balmum is allowed to Dochen. And Rashi notes that we don't necessarily treat Nisias Kapayim, we see from sources, we don't treat it as strictly as we do in regard to uh, the Avoda. Um, we don't uh, look at uh, Nisias Kapayim in, uh, with, with the same level of stringency. So it turns out it's Makalok as Rishonim. Then he notes that in Mesech um, Sota there's another Tosvos. Mesech um, Sota the Tosvos there, quotes from the Shiltos of Rav Achaigon, and it mentions there that a Kohen... Um, who uh, d- who is over the Vodazara 
again, is not allowed to. This would be like the sheet of the Sefer Azair. Uh, he's not allowed to, um, he's not allowed to do Nisias Kapayim. Because he's worse than the Kohen Shahargas and Nefesh. The din of a Kohen who killed someone, that that Kohen is not allowed to do Nisias Kapayim. Uh, and this says, uh, asserts the Shiltos is, is worse. So therefore, the Kohen would, uh, not be able to do the, uh, uh, would not be able to do Nisias Kapayim. However, he quotes from Rabbeinu Gershom, Moragola, the famous Rabbeinu Gershom, who said that no, he says in his Chuvos, like Rashi, that he is able to do Nesias Kapayim. And he is able to get a first Aliyah, since he did Shuva, as long as he did Shuva. Therefore, his Kedusha is restored to him, um, and uh, it says Rabbeinu Gershom the same, that just like a Balmum, uh, if the Mishnah compares a Kohen who, um, to the, this kind of Kohen to a Balmum, uh, and uh, and therefore Balmum is able to do Nesias Kapayim, so too in regard to such a Kohen as well. Um, and Rabbeinu Gershom explains this. He he says Shim says that if you don't do this, then it's going to actually weaken the hands of Bali Tshuva. In other words, it's going to dissuade them because they'll say Imagine a Kohen who comes back, and now you're going to prevent him from doing the Sias Kabayim. He is going to be feel the sense of tremendous shame on an ongoing basis, and as a consequence. It will dissuade him from doing tshuva because he'll suffer this embarrassment the rest of his life. And then he quotes various different mamari chazal that chazal actually took this into account and they, and they tried to accommodate bali tshuva. Um, one source's uh, statement of Rabbi Yochanan Kolor Menashe in Lechelik Olam Abba Marpi Yedin Shavali Tshuva. You shouldn't say Menashe doesn't have a Chelik Olam Abba because uh, that will dissuade bali tshuva. Tandebe Rabbi Shmuel Hova Halach Zev Nasa Kohen Lavodazar Idre. Um, in short, sources in Chazal, in which we find that uh, they tried to accommodate um, Bali Tshuva um, and uh, weren't too strict with them because of the fact that, uh, that again, otherwise it would dissuade people from doing Tshuva. So we have a machlokis between, on the one hand, Rashi and the Sefer Azair, as quoted by Tosvos, and there's a machlokis between the Shiltos, who signs with the Sefer Azair, and uh, Rabbeinu Gershom, who sides with Rashi. After presenting uh, this Machlokas Bishonim, the Rav Ashri then in his tshuva turns to the tour and the uh, Beis Yosef, uh, which obviously offers the backdrop for the Psak and the Shulchan Aruch. In the tour, the tour first of all notes that the Rambam also is machmir in regard to this, in regard to Nesias Kapayim, that he says that even if the person had done tshuva, then uh, the person is uh, still not allowed to do uh, Nisias Kapayim. And he also uh, mentions that there's a machlokes, it's uh, most stark in the tour, that uh, there's a machlokes as to whether if you say that Nisias Kapayim is a problem, in other words, it's someone who converted out of Judaism um, to another religion, that the individual is not allowed to do Nisias Kapayim, does it necessarily follow that the person should not be able to get an Ali as a Kohen as well. Uh, he quotes, the tour quotes Rav Natrunoi Gaon, one of the Gaonim, is saying that the person is not allowed to um, get an Ali as a Kohen, uh, just as he's not allowed to, he's in the Machmir camp, and he says he can't do Nisias Kapayim, but he also can't get an Ali. And the tour says, Mehechitesi, how do you know that to be true? That He says that, that in regard to Nisias Kapayim, that's considered to be a kind of avoda, it's considered to be Sherus. So maybe just like 
he shouldn't be doing a vote in the Beis Amigdash, so he shouldn't be doing a Siyas Kapayim either. But in regard to getting an Aliyah, that is not related to Sheiruth, that's not a, like a Voda, and therefore he should be able to. So here that Machlokas basically breaks it up to three camps so far. It means that you have those who are totally Mekil, even in regard to Nesiyas Kapayim. You have those who are totally Machmir, uh, they say that Nisias Kapayim and getting the first Aliyah are a problem. And then you have a middle camp in which you make a split. The Torah says that you can say Nisias Kapayim is a problem, but on the other hand, getting an Aliyah is, um, is okay. And then the Beis Yosef expands upon this. The Beis Yosef uh, quotes the Rishonim on either additional Rishonim on either side of this. Um, he quotes that uh, he especially reinforces the position of uh, Rav, of, of the uh, tour that there are other, he puts this say from Mitzvah Sakatan, that he also holds that uh, you make a distinction between Nisias Kapayim and getting an Aliyah. Um, and then, um, after all said and done, Halach Lamai said that Beis Yosef, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, of Yosef Kaira, comes to the following conclusion. He says, really, Halach Lamai said, it would seem that one can be somech on those who allow Nisias Kapayim. And he says, as we saw before, that v'gam liftoch pesach lebali tshuva, that this is an important consideration that uh, if you want somebody to come back to Yiddishkeit, right, you want to be able to um, uh, allow the person to come back without uh, suffering ongoing bizoyan, degradation and shame, and therefore one should try to be mekil um, in, this, uh, in this case. Then the Beis Yosef adds something which is going to be critical. He says that he thinks that the entire machlokes amongst the Rishonim is only if heimir mirtsono, if the person uh, switched to another religion uh, willingly. The person did it deliberately, willingly, wanted to do so. However, if the person was onus, uh, then he thinks that even those who would be machmir in regard to this, that the person who came back is not allowed to do Nesiyas Kapayim and may not get an aliyah, he says that these... Uh, these, these, this shita would allow the person to be able to do Nesiyas Kapayim, and of course get an Ali as well, if the person was honest. Obviously we're going to see this is critical for our case. So honest means the person was coerced, the person was forced. Um, he says that then everyone would agree that it would be mutter. Only again, they were machmir in a situation where Hemim Ritsono, which is more similar to the whole source that we're talking about in that Mishnah we, get, we began with, uh, the Kohanim and Beis Chonyo, so those Kohanim were, were serving, right, willingly. But if it's a person's honest, that would be totally different, then it would be totally mutter. However, however, in the Bedek Abayis, the Beis Yosef, subsequent to writing the Beis Yosef, he wrote something called the Bedek Abayis, fixing or the fixing of the house, um, reinforcement of the house, so, uh, in which he wrote notes on his own sefer. So in the Berek Abayis, he then quotes in the Rambam the following distinction, that what he just wrote, that if the person is onus, then the person who does tshuva would for sure, according to everyone, be able to do Nesiyas Kapayim. That only is if the person was onus in terms of the essential switching to the other religion. But if the person actually served the other religion, Right, he actually avda. He was involved in serving the other religion, not just in terms of alignment or identification, but actually served the other religion. So then, even if the person was honest, then um, they would the machmirim would not allow the person uh, to do nesias kapayim. So it's that distinction. On the one hand, he says that if the person is honest, it would be able to. Um, even according to the machmirim, even according to the stringent position, the person would be able to come back and uh, do Nisias Kapayim, but then he says that that it only applies if the person 
um, identified with another religion, but not if the person worshipped another religion, then the machmirim would be machmir, and they would uh, they would not allow a person to do so. So um, to do nesis kavayim. So now, with all of that backdrop, the different positions, we come to the shulchan aruch, and the shulchan aruch in um, in orachaim simen kuf chav ches sif lamed zayin writes that two different positions. He quotes that the mumer la'akum lo yisaz kapov, um, that the person who is uh, switches to another religion uh, is uh, is not allowed to do nesias kapayim. And then he says that there are those who say that if the person does tshuva, the person is able to. We saw that that position is the one favored by the Beis Yosef, right? So it would seem that that's uh, in this context that that's the position uh, that he's emphasizing. And then all of this is based upon the background that we saw, he says that if the person was onus, then according to everyone, he could do Nesiyas Kapayim. Um, and the Mogan of Ram adds to this, which we've seen already, the caveat or the qualification of the Beis the Mogan of Ram says that if the person was involved in actual Avodah the person was actually involved in worship of the other religion, so then even if the person was onus, the Machmirim would be stringent in this case. All of this we've seen, right? That, as usually would be the case, the Psak of the Shulchan Aruch, and in this case the addition of the Magan of Ram, is all based upon the backdrop that we've seen that was provided to us by the Beis Yosef already. Essentially, he'd be willing to be Mekil, um, uh, he, even though he quotes both points of view. It's not so simple, but it seems he would be willing to be Mekil. Um, and then he says, that according to everyone, if the person was Anus, it would be, the person would be able to uh, do Nesias Kapayim, and then this qualification that if the person actually worshipped another religion, then the Machmirim would be Machmir here. So, after all of this, Rev. Oshri says, okay, let's take all this information and let's try and figure out how this applies um, to this individual. So he says that uh, it would seem that um, this individual, first of all, we can, you know, take the basic machlokas and the fact that the Beis Yosef seems to be mekil in regard to this and say, okay, so we can follow the mekilim, right? As we saw, the Beis Yosef said that this is, uh, that the mekilim, um, uh, the mekilim here should, can and should be followed. We should rely upon them in such a circumstance when a person um, first switched to another religion and then uh, did tshuva. Now, for sure, he says a person should be able to get an aliyah because that's you know there are those even amongst the machmirim, even amongst those who are stringent, there are those who say that it only applies in regard to a nesias um, kapayim, but not in regard to getting an aliyah. But even in regard to nesias kapayim, Ravashri says he thinks that one can be make a why. So. He says that, um, you know, the Rambam said, we had this qualification that if the person was nanas, then everyone would agree that it's okay, right? So he's trying to explain why, according to everyone, this should be okay. That even if the, if, even if the person switched to another religion, even the Machmirim say that if the person didn't do it mitzono, but the person did it because the person was coerced. So he says this individual, obviously, the 16-year-old boy, now he's a little bit older than 16, but in any case, the 16-year-old boy was nanas. He was doing this in order to save his life. Right under uh, the most trying and difficult, challenging circumstances. Now, then, of course, the problem that he's going to raise is, but what about the fact that actually he, you know, was taken care of by this um, by this priest, and he was part of the church, and the chances are likely that he would have been serving this. Uh, he would have been serving this. Uh, this Avodah Zara, the other religion, he would have practiced it as well. So, uh, Ravashri says, in regard to this, he says that 
the following, and is a, a critical point, uh, that he says, he says that he thinks that, that when the individual, um, has described, this, this boy described how he was so upset about this and was constantly tormented by this, so clearly, even if he was there, and if he, even if, let's say, for example, he had to bow down or do certain things, he did it only, as he puts it, Lamaris Ayin, in order to show other people, not because of Ratzon Alev, not because he really wanted to. And he thinks that in this circumstance, maybe the Magan Avram would agree, and of course, it's Magan Avram following what the Beis Yosef said, maybe everyone would agree that it's, that, that it's so compelling that the person really didn't want to do it, he was doing it under duress, that everyone would agree that uh, that the person would be when the person does tshuva, the person would be able to once again do nesias kavayim. Maybe the whole discussion in regard to the person worshiping um, out of a sense of onus is when there's a question mark as to whether the person might have then subsequently, um, you know, done this uh, willingly or in a sincere kind of way, um, worshiping the other religion. But if it's clear that the individual was doing it for, under duress and unwillingly from beginning to end, maybe that would be mutter. Um, he quotes something which is quite striking, which we'll come back to later, um, in order to prove this, and that is uh, Psukim from Molochim Beis, Perek Hey. And in that context, a uh, well-known episode in Tanakh, in which uh, Naaman, who is a, a general of Aram, right, he's like the, uh, the, I guess, the chief of staff, or, you know, the, the, leading, uh, the leading general for um, Aram, he develops Saras. Ultimately comes to Eretz Yisrael, comes to Elisha. Elisha tells him to, uh, to immerse himself, um, in the, um, in the uh, river and, um, in the Yardain. And then ultimately he becomes healed. And then Naaman realizes that, uh, and says to Elisha that he realizes now that Akash Baruch Hu runs the world and that he basically is going to turn away from Avodazara and he's only going to serve Hashem. And then, this is in Pasuk Yud Ches, he says the following. He says, however, that however, Hashem should forgive um, your servant. Um, so he says, he's sometimes going to have to go with the king of Aram to a place of Zara, and he's leaning on my hand, and I'm going to end up bowing down. Vayasi beis rimon yislach Hashem leavdecha b'davarazet that Hashem should forgive me because I'm bowing down to the avodazara. In other words, I don't really want to bow down to avodazara, but I'm going to end up bowing, bowing down to the avodazara. So um, he says that in that case, what's happening? He's bowing down to the avodazara, but Naaman is saying, "But I don't want to. But I don't want to bow down to the avodazara." So Hashem should forgive him for not bowing down for for bowing down to the avodazara because it's not. It's not intentional. It's against his will. He has no choice. It's just in order to save his life. So says Ravashri, we should treat the individual the same way as um, this individual, the same way as Naaman. And therefore, just like Naaman, it wasn't considered to be Avodazar, therefore it shouldn't be considered Avodazar over here as well. Um, and he shouldn't be held culpable. And the, again, according to everyone, he should be able to do tshuva and then resume um, the Nisias Kapayim, the Birkas Khan. Um Now, I'll come back to that in just a moment. Afterwards, Ravashri um, goes through another question, which is, what about the fact that we find certain sources in Yeridea, 
Simon Reish Samach Zion, where in Reish Samach Ches, where it talks about a person who is a mumar who uh, basically serves another religion, and the person comes back in certain in certain uh, in certain context, the individual actually has to undergo a tefila. The person it's as if the person is uh, is has become tame, and the person has to undergo a tefila, a certain process, immersing oneself in a mikvah. Um, in order to uh, in order to be able to complete the process of tshuva, so he asks the question as to whether this boy maybe should do that. Ultimately, he comes to the conclusion that no, it's not necessary because, for the same logic, if we say that the person is not culpable because he's considered to be onus, right, and therefore he's not considered an amumar if he's onus mitchilasavad sofo, he was coerced throughout and he never really worshipped the other religion um, with any element of sincerity. So then, the individual, in regards to the, the, this uh, this uh, practice of tefillah, of um, immersing oneself when coming back after serving another religion, that also should not apply to the person. After all is said and done, he comes to the, he, he's, gets the Allah Lamaisa point, he says there are a number of postgim, um, the quotes from Samim Rosh, the Chemda Shlomo, the, uh, Sefer Hasidim, the Ma'ari Asad, who all say that this individual, a mumer that did tshuva, um, so a person is able to dochen. And again, you can understand why, I just want to review again for a moment, that, um, the person, in this case, maybe number one, we don't even paskin like the machmirim. Just remember that the Beis Yosef already said that it makes sense that you should be able to be rely upon the mekilim, those who are lenient in regard to this. That's number one. So maybe we don't have to be machmir. Um, if we're going to be machmir, so then there's this question, according to the machmirim, in regard to Nesias Kapayim at least, um, what do we do with the fact that the person is onus? On the one hand, that can be a, um, a mitigating... Uh, um, factor, and as a consequence, we don't treat the person like a mumar, um, and the person will be able to do tshuva and come back, and do uh, nesias kapayim. On the other hand, but what if that person actually worshipped the avodah or the other religion? Um, that might be more of a problem, and we have this whole background. But in any case, going back again to the in- initial discussion, it could be we can just rely upon the mekilim straight out, straight out, and then we don't have to discuss that whole question of onus or not onus. It could be that the, we, following the mekilim. Um, it would be mutter no matter what. Um, and all these postgame, he says, the B'salim Rosh, the Chemda Shlomo, uh, Sefer Hasidim, and the Ma'ari Asad, they all um, allowed the person to do, engage in the C.S. Kapai. I would just note, parenthetically, um, I haven't had a chance to look into it carefully, but on the other hand, it's not so posh this whole um, Raya from Naaman, which Ravashi seems to rely upon, is the Gemara in Sanhedrin, uh, which actually indicates that um, in regard to Naaman, what, what applies in, applied in regard to Naaman might not apply in regard to a Jew. That, uh, that in regard to a Jew, maybe because it's about a Zara, maybe the Jew is obligated um, to give up his life, Yeharg Vayavor, in order not to bow down to the Avodah Zara, and Naaman would be a Raya that a non-Jew is not obligated in Kiddush Hashem in those circumstances in giving up his life. He'd be able to save his life, uh, even if it means, you know, to, to if you, even if it means bowing down to Avodah Zara. It's not so partial in regard to a Jew we would allow such a thing. In any case, that's something which is interesting. That Raya from Naaman is not so, it's not so obvious that uh, because the person was coerced throughout, that uh, the person um, is not considered to have worshipped the Avodah Zara. So you might explain that Rav Ashri meant something else, you know, that it's, it's still, nonetheless, is not is not looked at quite in the same way. But in any case, the, the, it's it's not so posh that uh, that uh, Raya that Rav, that the Rav Ashri brought from 
from Naman, because in fact it could be that a Jew would be obligated to give up one's life in that circumstance, and it would be considered like a real bona fide avodazara. The tshuva concludes with a fa- in a very dramatic kind of way. Um, Rav Ashri says, after all is said and done, this 16-year-old boy who had gone through this trauma of seeing his parents murdered initially when the Nazis invaded um, uh, Lithuania. And then he decided that he couldn't uh, bear to, you know, put up this facade. And he came back to the to the Kovno ghetto with all the suffering there because he wanted to come back to Kla Yisrael, to, obviously to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So in Tov Shin Dalid, he said, um, when the when the final liquidation of the um, of the Warsaw ghetto of the of the so the Kovno ghetto took place, and this was and against the, what you call a final liquidation, right? So in which the other times they'd killed many many people, but on the other hand now they wanted to wipe out the ghetto entirely. So he says at this point in time, he said this. Um, it would be a young man at this point in time. Uh, this this uh, young man now w- w- gave up his life, Al-Kiddush Hashem, right, together with everyone else. Um, ultimately, as he he knew that this was something which could happen, obviously, um, but he says, it's, he compares it like uh, the Rabbi Akiva, um, uh, that uh, the Rabbi Akiva said of, uh, that uh, he was hoping and looking forward to that time, when he would be able to fulfill this and be able to give up his life, Al-Kiddush Hashem, in a sense, this boy, right, put himself in a circumstance in which he would, he would, might have to give up his life, or would be likely he would give up his life, Al-Kiddush Hashem, and, uh, this is exactly what occurred. Um, this is a real, real Messiris Nefesh, you know, you think about it, Messiris Nefesh, in which he was, in a circumstance in which he, um, could have saved his life. Um, nobody, nobody knew that he was Jewish, the Germans did not know about him, did not detect him, and he decided to, to, um, to return to um, Kla Yisrael to Avodah Hashem and ended up uh, giving up his life and and uh, then Rav Ashri concludes that uh, he says that he says that uh, that he didn't separate himself um, from his brethren from his from the rest of Kla Yisrael and uh, he he then. He then says, he concludes with the words, And uh, that HaKadosh Baruch should remember them together with other tzaddikim and should avenge um, their, the blood which has been spilled. And uh, in any case, a very dramatic ending to this uh, particular truth in regard to this um, incredible uh, first teenager and then young man and uh, his dedication to Klai Yisrael, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu.